This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, everyone. This is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, a Spotify and Villa Romana Network production. I'm Alan Evans. And I'm Joey Sanders. And this week, we are talking about Hollywood and cancel culture. Joining the conversation later, we're going to be talking with Melissa Rivers, who, as you know, is the daughter of Joan Rivers and the author of a new book, which is simply hysterical, called Lies My Mother Told Me. And we're going to get in there and lie beside her. Great. So let's grab a drink and dive in. First thing, we're doing a little warning about our content. Yeah? Yeah, I think we should. Um, <laughs> Especially for this episode. Yes. We're going to say what's on our mind. We're not here to hurt anyone or, or hurt ourselves in the process. But my God, telling the truth is something that we need to hear. So if we're kidding, we're kidding. Yeah. And if we're serious, we're serious. And, and, you know, it's for a darn good reason. So let's not get, let's take your offended hat off and relax and have a sense of humor and join the conversation or at least listen to ours. Can you help me take the hat off? It's awfully big. Yeah, it is. Well, let me get it on the table. <laughs> it's the brim. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. And, you know, this is exciting. We took a big break for those of you that didn't notice. We made some changes. But let's get down to the media of it. <laughs> of it all. Um, are you watching the Jeffrey Dahmer series? Yeah, it, it's creeping me out a lot. And it's funny that it's creeping me out so much because that was a time that we were running around a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It no, was I remember it panicked some people. A lot including of people. Me. And it was, you know, and this was pretty scary as it was happening. And we were following along with that. And then we also knew the gore of it. When it first came out, there was a lot of people going, no, it's not good. It's too slow. It's too this. And they didn't think it was great. And, uh, you know, and then I watched it. And I actually thought it was one of the best things that Ryan Murphy has done. I thought that the writing was terrific. I thought that the way that they, you know, introduced you to each of the victims and humanized not only the victims, but humanized Jeffrey Dahmer. So while he was, you know, terrible and the things he did were awful and disgusting, right? You saw that there was a human side to him. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. He knew he couldn't stop. He, You saw the forces around him. And there was a little bit of feeling sorry for him a bit because he, he, he wanted to stop. He kept telling everybody, there's something wrong with me. He told his parents. You know, he told some others. Um, I don't know if I told you, but I have a little bit of an extra affinity for this story because I represented his father did you not I did with Joel Gottler we represented his father's book which in episode seven they show him writing this book and in eight uh -huh. and talking to his agent and whatnot and that was Joel and I uh, Joel actually you know brought the book in and then I did a lot of the, the sales and the foreign sales and things on it right but I would talk to Lionel Dahmer Lionel Dahmer was a little bit of a on the show he's a little more of an aggressive character in the series, right? Mm -hmm. In person, I found him much more reserved, quiet. Um, I, I wouldn't say antisocial. I would say he was um, 
he was socially inept in some ways. Well, so was the son. He yeah. got that from somewhere, obviously. Yeah. But he wasn't, you know, he, he was not a, a fun guy, right? He was quiet and he was reserved. And, you know, I, I felt bad for him because he really didn't know how to process this, as you can imagine, if you find out that your son did these things, oh, right? Wouldn't be he, my son. I think he first thought, you know, how do I defend myself? And then that would turn to, what do I do about this? And of course, people were de giving him death threats and he had to change his phone number and, you know, attacked like crazy for something that his son did. And, and he didn't know how to process these things. And he was having real difficulty. And I think he felt real guilt. He somehow felt it was his fault and that he should have recognized this earlier when he found, you know, dead animals under the house. Mm. And but listen, you know, I have a cousin who does taxidermy. Nobody thought he's out killing anybody. It's not what comes to your mind that, oh, he must be murdering and eating people because he's interested in dead animals. Right. Right. So, you know, he was having a real problem kind of processing it all. And, and I felt badly for him at the time. I really did, because it's a strange situation to be thrown into. And, you know, he is aware of all the lives his son, you know, destroyed and and he felt terrible. It wasn't for a minute that he didn't feel terrible. He he, he was racked with guilt. No, I can imagine. Yeah, I can, and shame. I mean, it, shame. The, the whole bit. He just didn't just... know what to do. I, I don't know if you saw that. It it came in number two all time on Netflix's English language series chart. Kudos to Ryan on this. I really think it's his best work. Yeah, and I'll, I will say this. One thing he's always never disappointed me in any way. His casting is right on, and in, in, in everything that I've seen of his, his casting is is spot on. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. And he tries to hit that you know commerciality of a name that'll bring viewers in and still mm -hmm. have them be appropriate for the yeah. role. Yeah, and even with this, as gory as he can get, I still think that he held back a little bit because this is, I think, the story alone, the that the fact that this is a true story and all this happened, all the lies lives he's destroyed. Um, is gory enough just to know the story and just to hear it. So I think he pulled back. He was smart enough to pull back because we didn't re really need to see all that blood and gut as much no, as No, you can imagine have. it. It was, yeah, yeah, it's pretty gruesome anyway. But he's known to go way yeah. in the gut. We watched some things over at your house recently. You've put up a screen. Well, we have, you know, this great thing we watch in my house during the winter when it's cold. We have this great projection room, but over the now summer... Now I have an outdoor theater. Yeah, you your outdoor theater. Yeah, and, for, for our summer nights. Yeah, and it was fun. I loved fun. it. Yeah, and, out and, on the and, deck and, and watching the, the movies. Yeah, and the great thing is that, you know, Andrew, um, he's such a movie lover. You know, he, he really enjoys that, but he didn't have a lot of knowledge of classic films. So we've been watching some great classics. I mean, we just watched The Children's Hour, the play by Lillian Hellman, uh, it's, it's such a fantastic. It was such a fantastic play. Now the great part about uh, turning Andrew on to these movies is that now he's making his own lists. Okay, so I want to see this one next. I want to look up that one. I want to see Gone with the Wind. I want to see, you know. And I said, has he not seen Gone with not the Wind? Seen Gone with oh, the I Wind. have it. It's such a brilliant film. And yeah. before we can better hurry, we can still see night. it. When no, but when they're going to start banning things. Well, they banned it from somewhere, I know. So which, that annoys me, because it's a great film. Is it racist? Of course it's racist. But wasn't the time? The time How do we learn? It's, it's racist in that time, and of course the movie's racist. 
and uh, the production around it was done in what the 30s or whatever it's all racist but but that's how you learn about history as you go back you watch these movies that reflect what was going and on around them and you try to them. learn to not do the same thing yeah you know and to you know you also came away watching the film uh, embracing a lot of the characters I, I, w I mean I don't have a racist bone in my body I don't even know what that is but I mean but I, I, I how could you not see these characters that what what was going on with them and not want to embrace them and protect them yeah. isn't that how we heal yeah I think Do that we the deny problem that these things existed no but I think the problem with the film is it's glamorized right so the the slaves are treated so well and there's you know they're dressed well and you know they're, they're you don't see them being beaten all the terrible things that went on but you know it's not that kind of film it's not what the film is about it's not about the slaves it's about the family right and, and it's about and, the, and the love I, story may I just point one thing out not every single slave was beaten. So this, if you're if you're talking about two or three people of the characters that you're focusing on in the story, they were not the one. They were not. You know, I'm not saying that hundreds of thousands weren't. They were, and they were mistreated, right. and it was horrible. But there were a, a handful of them that that were left homes and left positions and and were treated well. So. You know, there's a balance in everything, and and I think in this world that we're in, we're constantly always going for the negative and and pulling that up, and we're forgetting the other parts of right. people and life and history, and things that happened. It's not always what people want to make it. In well, and it can't always be what you want it to be either. The movie was not made to show how badly slaves were treated. It's not what the movie is about. And uh, and it's a great movie. It's it would be terrible for people not to see it. It was well made, especially for the time. It's a great story. And yes, does it have scenes that you think, well, that's not how it was or what? Yes. But, you know, you need to go into movies with some sort of intellectual <laughs> idea of what's real and what isn't real. They're movies, after all. They're not a wasn't a documentary. The soundtrack was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's a great movie. I'm not going to deny it. It's a great movie. Nothing we see is how it is anyway, especially new stuff. I mean, is Bridgerton how it was? Well, no, exactly. That's the thing. Let's so, talk about we're going to talk about that history? Is that right. history? No, it's not history at all. It's completely fictionalized. Okay, so, but, but kids are going to grow up thinking that this is how it was, and it wasn't. No, I know you have to show these movies, and you have to show them what life was like then. Okay, did it distort history? Sure, but everything we watch on TV distorts history. The Real Housewives, you think they destroyed history? Hello, it's not even, they're not even real. There's nothing real about them. I know. So it's like, and, and we're going to ban everything? I know. Well, you that's, can't read a book? Well, that is why we're talking about cancel culture, isn't it? Oh, uh, it sure is. And that's something, you know, that they're going to cancel. They've been pushing to have Gone with the Wind removed from streaming services and everything else. It's like, why? The movie was made. Why are you having it banned? Because you don't want kids to see... Well, how a movie was made in yeah. the 30s. What is it you think you're doing? Yeah, and what's and what's protecting them? What's really protecting them? Not seeing it? Ignorance no. is protecting them? Ignorance. And by the way, there's so many things that you should be worrying about other than that. Yeah. Which brings me to my next topic. Tell me about this month's Eaton article. Yeah, I had been thinking, uh, you know, how my I always create my subject that I'm going to write about usually very late at night. You know, when my brain is just sort of before it goes to sleep <laughs> or when it can't go to sleep. 
Right. You know, That's I when I do my best about, thinking. Yeah, and it's really a good time for me because there have been times where I've actually woken up about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, grabbed my laptop, and then I wrote my articles. And I've written two or three at one time mm -hmm. because all these ideas were coming. And um, I had just been on the thing about... Um, you know how we get we get pigeonholed into uh, wanting to be, look young, wanting to be, you know feeling young, being a certain age, all of that stuff. And I just started thinking about a game I used to play called Young Again. And so it would just be a little game we'd play with friends. Like if you could go back, what age would you be? What would you choose? You know. And it's interesting to, to see what people say. And most people go. Uh, they steer away from the 15 or 16. You know, they don't want to relive that. I think for right. a lot of people that was painful. High school pain. You know, trying to learn. Yeah, or they want to go back to their 20s. Or they don't, A lot of people miss out on that. Um, for me, I would always say, oh, I'd go back. I'd go back to 15. I'd go back to 16. Are you kidding? I'd have all that time to redo everything. and But not redo anything to the place of because I never felt that I was missing anything. I was popular. I was... Good looking. I had all the things I wanted to have. Oh, but the good old days. The good old days. And I could relive them. And I always had fun. I was a happy person. Right. You know, I didn't have anything to, to feel bad about. But now as I got older and I started to realize that I, would, I wouldn't go back. At all? No. I wouldn't. At all? No, I would moisturize more. <laughs> But I wouldn't go back because I realized what a great what a great uh, ride it is with all the bad, the good, the ugly, the indifferent, all, all the stuff and the beauty. And I like where I am. And I'm ju it's just going to get better. I mean, the, the things we have to realize is take care of our bodies more, be, pay a little bit more attention to our spirit, our soul, our people we love, our surroundings, those things. And we can easily make up for that every day just by being aware of of our surroundings. So it, it was just an interesting article for me to write. And I, and I won't tell you too much about it. So if you people want to go and read it, it's at, you know, the EdenMagazine.com. You can find it. It's called The Way I See It is my column. And it's called Young Again. But it, it's a kind of an interesting article. And it made me proud to, to write it. And a lot of the people that have, that have uh, read it have sent me uh, letters and notes saying how much they enjoyed it. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I read it. I really liked it. That's why I was asking you about it. I would go back just to get some more time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I liked my mid-30s to my mid-40s. I thought it was a really good, productive time for me. I thought I grew a lot in that period. Economically, I grew. As a person, I grew. You know, the one thing that I agree with you on, as you get older, it almost feels like a cruel joke because I think as a person, you get better and better and better. Yet, you know, that suddenly it's like, oh, wait, oh, my toe hurts, right? Or these weird oh. things are coming up that or sort of a problem that reminds you that you are a little older. But, uh, you know, 35 to 45 was an unbelievable period of my life that I enjoyed immensely. Not that I don't enjoy my life immensely now, but it, it, I think it was because it was such a growing now period for me. Now in your late 40s, for me. you mean? Yeah, you mean 30s. Yo, sorry. Oh, that's right. I said 35 oh, yeah, to 40. So oh, you're right. It's my late 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Well, I'm not very good at math, am I? No, at all. <laughs> Maybe you should go back and take a couple courses. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about working. Oh, we are. For those of you that listened to last season's podcast, we didn't have this segment, 
and it really is about <laughs> things that annoy us. Now, we always talked about things that annoyed us. We just didn't put them into a segment. It means we have to condense all the things that annoy us into one yeah. segment. Now, don't forget, you, Alan and I go back quite a long time, many years, 30-something years as friends. So we've always had these little sayings for things like he'd look at me and we could be out and some, we could meet somebody that was annoying and he'd go, Working work my, my nerves. Working my nerves. Working my nerves. So <laughs> this little segment is called Working and they're annoying things. I'm going to bring up something that's working you and I'm going to let you run with it. People walking their dogs while talking on the phone. You and I talked about this because I saw it the other day, and you saw it the other day, and you went off. <laughs> you went off on me because of them. <laughs> yeah, and I went off on the person I saw walking the dog. This poor little schnauzer. I mean, first of all, this last few weeks. I mean, the weather's been a hundred degrees, and the summer was just hotter than than crazy. You know, and now even we're in the fall, it's still we have these hot, hot days. And now this poor little dog is walking, is walking on the hot pavement. You know, and you could see the way he's walking, lifting the feet up. Mm -hmm. And she's just on the phone, talking on the phone and just dragging the dog. And the, dra the dog is lifting a leg while being dragged, trying to pee, trailing pee behind, then going in a circle, trying to take a crap. Then that's popping out. I mean, he can't even enjoy the little enjoyment that he gets to go out. And this is supposed to be time spent with mommy. Right, with daddy, your owner. And then with, they your, love with, walking with your beautiful with you. pet. And, and you're dragging this poor, poor thing down the street. I was livid. I wanted to get out of my car and say, you dumb bitch. Not you, dog. Her. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? First of all, people on the phone crossing the street drives me crazy anyway look up do you know how many people run a red light they don't even look at the traffic coming at them as they step off the curb they just think well it's a green light and i'm impervious and you know my my phone will stop any truck coming at me i guess yeah, yeah. I i'm pulling out of the driveway of gelson's market and somebody is walking i mean like hauling ass down the street with sunglasses on ear pods walks into my car and goes off on me. I'm stopped there, getting getting ready to come out of the driveway. Walks, I mean, plows into my car and starts going off on me. You stupid idiot. I'm stopped. You don't see this big black car that sounds like a truck. You don't, you don't see that? And you're going to yell at me? Oh, I went off. Anyway, so what's been working you lately? Oh, my God. What's not been working me? <laughs> I don't like this new law where the cops won't even do anything if someone is stealing from your store. Oh, no, that's right. Or, or going into CVS and you see people pocketing things. Yep. And I mean, they're not, even, they're not even trying to conceal it. They're putting all these things in the pockets of their jacket and they're walking out of the store knowing that there's no one there to stop them. And now I think, what is the rule, $960 or I some mean, crazy amount that you have you to be stealing? You couldn't steal a pack of gum when I was a kid for 12 cents. Oh, no, you would be hauled in. I know. And now they take anything. That's a shopping spree. Everybody seems to be doing whatever the hell they want. Mm -hmm. There's no, I don't see cops anymore. You barely see them. No. I haven't seen anybody get pulled over for a ticket in years. I've never seen or heard of anybody getting pulled over because they were on their phone while driving. What is this thing we see lately on the news that people do the grab and go or grab and run? 
they run into a store in Beverly Hills and grab all the stuff and go. And then, and then, and then the people behind the counter are like, ah, uh, right. Because what are you supposed to do? I the cops the won't be there for the ten doors. minutes. Oh, uh, whatever. And uh, but no, now they have this new rule like don't even bother, don't ball, call the cops if it's not a thousand dollars or more. Well, that's all great if you're Neiman Marcus and you can find something that's less than a thousand dollars. But what about Ma and Pa who have a shop in Koreatown or a Seven Eleven? A thousand dollars of stuff for them is is a big hit on them. Mm-hmm. And we're getting close to the holidays. You know, people are going to be shopping all right. Yeah, for free. Yeah, everybody's Santa this year. Let me year. think where we could go for $1,000. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm not going to have that karma. Nope. Keep your shitty purses. The ones that, that run into Ross and cross-dress for less, whatever. <laughs> and they, they grab all that crap and then run out of there, grabbing a whole rack of bags. And it didn't occur to the manager of that store to maybe put those racks in the back or the easy stuff to grab. You, you know, mean. maybe you should put in front the stuff that's not selling. Right. That you're trying to get rid of. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or put the those broken, heavy boxes of yeah, the of those, the, those the burning logs. You know, or the mismatched shorts or whatever. The, <laughs> put those in front. Let them steal those things. <laughs> right. Everything you couldn't move. Yeah. Well, so we have lots of things that are working us. We'll you come back next week and we'll annoy and you we'll with some more some things. More. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we've got Melissa Rivers, the very funny Melissa Rivers. Very funny. And we're back, and we're very excited because today, as our guest, we have Melissa Rivers. I know. I'm so excited about that. Love you, Melissa. Thank you. Hi. I'm excited to be here. So much enthusiasm. <laughs> well, how did we manage this? I don't know. I don't know either. It showed up on my calendar. You said yes. <laughs> it showed up on my calendar, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> we reached out, and there you were. And there you are. It's a little bit like, what is it? The one you're not supposed to say into a mirror? I mean, it's like... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Three times? You no, know, that was like Candyman or whatever. No, Beetlejuice. It's like, Beetlejuice, oh. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, instead of Beetlejuice... We got vodka juice. Love that. What drink? What? Yeah. May I ask what drink that possibly is? Yeah, we've got our cocktail of the week. Yes, it's it's actually based on something that you enjoy, which is fresco with vodka. I know, isn't it good? It's really refreshing and delicious. What are we calling it? Uh, I named it Back to You, Mom. Oh, thank you. I call it the Wyoming because oh, really? I started drinking it one year in Wyoming. Okay. Well, back to Wyoming, Mom. There you go. But what's in this one? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's simple. It's uh, good vodka. You know, kettle one I used today. Uh, but your, your preference, whatever you like. And then... Um, Fresca. Fresca. <laughs> Fresca and, but then I squeeze uh, orange, lime, and lemon. Yeah, I usually go for lemon or lime, but I like the idea of all three. I like the... I yeah, like, all three. I like the orange. Thing. Gives that little extra sweet thing. And then and then I put a lot of ice in it, and then I freeze it for... I put it in the freezer for 10 minutes, so it becomes slightly slushy. And so it stays cold as you're sipping, because then it doesn't... It won't melt so quickly. Ooh. So there you go. There you go. So the back to back to Wyoming, Mom. Back to, back to you, Mom. <laughs> I used to love when you guys said that on the red carpet. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's that a phrase that haunts me in my sleep. <laughs> Back to you, Mom. So, Melissa, we're going to jump in because you have a new book. 
Yes, it's been out for a minute. Lies my mother told me. Yes. And can I tell you, Joey and I both, the next morning after we received the book, called each other and said, I stayed up half the night, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> I finished mine, yeah, I, I did. It's as soon funny. as Alan sent it, it's beyond funny. It's clever, Hysterical. it's funny, and it's endearing. I haven't heard endearing, but I'll take it. Well, I'll tell you why it's endearing, because your mom was, everybody knew your mom and her yes. sense of humor. And the fact that you're her daughter, and she was able to have that sense of humor with you, or that, and that, and you were able to get it and translate it to us. I, I, that's what I find endearing. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to be able to write in my mother's voice mm -hmm. and just think of the most outrageous things that I could put in it. Well, you captured that, and you know, and get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, some stuff really sticks out with me, all of it. But I love. There's two things which I, I laughed out loud twice in that particular one when i thought back about it i laughed again was the ugly baby stuff <laughs> destroyed me thank you okay destroyed me and then the one that i fell out literally fell out was when you were like you know i just want to know about the birds and the bees and just tell me about the facts of life and she goes well tootie was the one <laughs> <laughs> and then Natalie was that thick one with the ankles. I, I roared, Melissa. Roared. Thank you. It was. I mean, she went. It, it, was, yeah, it was so fun to write, and my writing partner mm -hmm. and I just had, you know, it saved us during COVID. Oh yeah. Because we would just think of the absolutely silliest things we could get away with saying, and right. then saying them. And uh -huh. what's so crazy to me is a lot of people, and it says clearly on the cover, a work of fiction. And people keep asking me if it's a memoir. And I'm right. like, that's so scary. Yes, I mean, scary. how much therapy do you, th I mean, would I even be a functional human? Did people think she was that crazy? Could you imagine? No. No, but you know, but it people... does it does come off a little memoirish, and I want to read something. I but want by to the read way, that was the, the intention. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, and it worked. Well, thank you. But I want to read something from the front because our theme today is about cancel culture, and there's two things in your book that popped out to us. The first is right at the front of the book. It says, "If you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything." That was Mark Twain. Yes. And you added, "Where is Mark Twain today? Dead." Perhaps honesty is not the best policy. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that we're going to adopt, actually. If we may. We're going to steal. Let's be real. We're going to steal this right <laughs> out of your book. Because we're going to do a disclaimer on our podcast. And you have something in here as a warning. <laughs> And it says, satire is a genre of the visual, literary, and performing arts, usually in the form of fiction, and less frequently nonfiction, in which vices, follies, abuses, and shortcomings are held up to ridicule with the intent of shaming individuals, corporations, government, or society itself into improvement. So we're stealing that as our disclaimer, and we're going to add to that that this podcast is not hypocritically correct. <laughs> I think I have a disclaimer. I think underneath that, I think I wrote something also like, you know, you have a problem, don't bother. Yeah, get over it. Right. right. 
I think you used more abusive language than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything is so sensitive, and that's what happens. I think, well, I mean, that brings us into a bunch of subjects that we wanted to discuss, too. But yes. Humor is, uh, it saves my life every single breath. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and without it, I just don't know how you can function. I don't even know how you can get out of bed, let alone get back in bed. You know? I, I don't understand. I mean, my family, even in the darkest mm -hmm. of times where things were absolutely horrific, laugh. Yeah. yeah. You know, Same with Yeah, we do that all the time. You know, my father kills himself. It, Three and a half weeks later, I'm back at school in Philadelphia where my dad had killed himself. And we walk into my off-campus house that I'm living in with a bunch of friends. And my mother walks in and says, thank God your father's dead rather than see you living like this. <laughs> oh you know God. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh -huh. Right after my mom passed, um, I asked everybody to leave the room to kind of give me a moment. Yeah. with her alone and I guess one of the nurses was still in the room and I'm standing there and you know obviously I've been crying and I start to laugh and I hear this like this intake of air and I see here turn around and I see this nurse is in there and I say to her I'm sorry I go I'm just thinking about what a really shitty day my dad is having <laughs> Because she just met him up there. Well, he's like, oh, <laughs> shit, she's here? Yeah. <laughs> and she's still pissed? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it is a salvation, I'll tell you. I, I, I lost my parents, too. And, and at those dark times, you know, when, I mean, dark for other people, you know, when you live, when you're an honest person with your life and everything that comes along with it, these are things that come along with it, how you handle it and how you reflect it. It, that's really up to you. And we were fortunate to have that sense of humor in our family, too, where you just kind of had to. Because I, I, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, you know, during the AIDS crisis, my best friend and I, since we were children, we had lost so many people. Yeah. And it was every time you turned around in the 80s, you know, every, every time the phone rang, every time another day went by and somebody else died. You know, and you just and there all of a sudden it was about 92 and I get a phone call that a very close friend of mine had just died. And my best friend was there with me uh, in the living room when I was answering the when I answered the phone. And I just took the phone and I hung up and I started laughing hysterically. And and Philip was like, well, what are you laughing at? And he started laughing. He says, what are you laughing at? And I, I just couldn't, for a good three minutes or, or so, I just couldn't stop. And I said to him, so-and-so just died. And we both got quiet, and then we started laughing hysterically again because you, we had spent so many years crying over people we lost, and the emotion, we, there was just no more tears left, so it had to go somewhere. Right. So it went right into the laughter, and that's, that's how it was. And, I, you know, we just... We still talk about that today and say, remember when we just couldn't even cry anymore? Well, it, and it is an emotion. It's that famous Mary Tyler Moore episode with, was it in Chuckles the, the Clown? In the funeral home. Funeral. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Chuckles, yeah. Chuckles the Clown. <laughs> uh, 
Melissa, what would the cancel culture look like to your mother today, do you think? Um, you know, everyone asks me that, like, what, how would she be handling it? Everyone loving her, like, she would have been canceled. I'm like, no, she wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, no, she, she would have been like Dave Chappelle and just grandfathered well, I don't think she would have changed, but do you think they'd be all, do you think they'd be after her all the no, time? No, I think she, said she would this, be grandfathered in like Chappelle. But what I think she would be doing is saying, well, I would tell you these jokes, but I'm not allowed to anymore. Or... You know, I had all these great jokes about X, like blah, 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 But oh no, can't say that anymore. So I think she would have sort of found that loophole. Like, well, we're gonna talk about this and this is what I would say, but I can't say this anymore. And get away with it that way. I mean, I think that's definitely how she would have thread that particular needle. Right. I like the idea of being grandfathered in. Yeah. If you're over a certain age, you're allowed to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, where would Don Rickles be? He he, he wouldn't stand a No, but now. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the great Mel Brooks movies. I mean, but you look at any yeah. movies. Yeah. You could not make Airplane. You could not make no, Caddyshack. God. You could not make, hell, you couldn't even make like planes, trains, and automobiles. You mm-hmm. couldn't. Yeah, no, we were talking about Gone with the Wind the other day, and and how they're trying to remove that from the shelves. And while, yes, it's incorrect, but it, it shows a time period. It's a history lesson. Yes. And, you know, I saw it with the disclaimer at the beginning and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it's important that we look at who people actually were, like historical figures. But it's very hard to judge people and decisions that were made without live without be putting it in in the context of that time you know the whole thing like they want to put up they put up a thing by like the washington monument and talking about that washington had slaves and all that kind of stuff it's like yes he did but at that particular time it wasn't considered it was it was the societal norm now was that correct the societal norm no but and it's important that we say like that he did do this, but you, 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 or was a slave owner, but you don't cancel the person because of it. Because in that, you know, in 1776, that was the societal norm. Was it wrong? Absolutely. But you have to put things in, in, in some kind and make it an asterisk where you are aware of these things. Right. Well, by the way, that could apply to language. I mean, I remember when Vanity Fair for the first time used the word fuck in print and it was shocking to read. Yeah. Right. And then suddenly it was on, it's on TV and they say all sorts of things in TV movies they couldn't have said 20 years ago, even 15 years ago. But but which is correct? Are we going to cancel the old or should we be canceling the new? Well, it's interesting because I'm working on another project and we were talking about the fact that when my mother was on TV and pregnant with me, you couldn't say pregnant. Right. You had to say, we'll be hearing the pitter patter of little feet. Mm -hmm. Right. You couldn't actually use the word pregnant. Sure. And on television, they had to have twin beds, beds. even if they were married. Yeah. You know, they couldn't uh, be set, you know, they had to be separated. Well, I remember remember reading something about um, the Fords, about Gerald and Betty Ford, that the people in the White House were shocked when they slept in the same room. Shocked that they slept in the same bed. 
didn't they have three didn't they have three children <laughs> yeah but it was like it's prior to test two babies no yeah less. i mean it, it, it's <laughs> the same thing it's it's you know as societal norms change we have to change along with them but especially with entertainment and comedy and those kind of sort of lighter shall i say uh yeah. topics yeah well, let me ask you this i mean historically aren't we doing a disservice to young people and to as we're changing history or not letting them see what it really is as painful as it was as ugly as so much of his our history is especially in this country because we've been lied to for so many years but then they walk up with a, a false sense of who they are and where they come from everything has gone to such extremes which i think is right. a big part of it where i had friends who had kids in high schools private schools here in LA where the kids were coming home and feeling awful about themselves. And, you know, it, it was causing a lot of depression and things like that, where these kids were just made to feel guilty for, for, for things in the past. And that's not right either. There's a level, and I was a history major of, you must be aware. You mm -hmm. must remember what happened in the past. It's the old saying, like those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. This is a perfect, it, it's, it's a perfect example of that. We have to know our past. We have to know where we've come from. We have to know the mistakes that society has made. We have to, we can't sweep them under the rug. You know, that's what I'm saying. Right. We're giving false, you know, uh, even images and, 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 and accounts of history that never really existed. Again, you, again, it's, it's so difficult to disseminate like, okay, it's good to know. I'm going to go back to my George Washington example. It's important to know that this is what he did and this is how he lived. But you also have to know that those were the norms of the time. Were the norms of the time wrong? Yes. It becomes more of an overarching thing rather than a specific person like a Washington. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so no, yeah, I get it. It, it. It's I think we've had come to it. I think I think I think I think I think um, it's very boring to hear constantly what I think. Um, and my son would tell you that. <laughs> think less. <laughs> but I, I, I do feel that. You have to go to an extreme to come back to the middle. And I, I feel like we're starting to find that middle ground again, I hope. Yeah, yeah we need to get so back too. to the middle on a lot of things. Right. Well, you see, we weren't allowed to laugh. Else. We weren't allowed to have humor. On the red carpet, you were no, I mean, that's when it was like time to get out. You weren't allowed to have fun. Yeah, everybody took themselves so seriously, even even as far as what they wore. And and so much of that, I mean, bordered the ridiculous or the sublime. I mean, a lot of outfits and, and nobody even has a sense of humor about that. Look what's happened to the Met Gala. I mean, that, that's an embarrassment to me. Yeah, it's you're not allowed to have fun and you're not allowed to say that you don't like something. Oh, yeah. And we're talking yeah. about clothing. Clothing, exactly. About that it's not personal. Like you're not talking about that you don't the like the energy policy. Mm -hmm. We're talking about, I don't think those shoes look good with that dress. And nine out of 10 times, they really don't. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> and nine out of time, 10 times, we're right. Yeah, exactly. But you cannot put the same level of importance mm -hmm. on, on these things. 
you know, it's, it's, it's wrong. You cannot put the level of saying, I don't particularly care for this dress on par with the rise of, of, of anti-Semitism. Oh, but why, but why right. do we have to be so like that? Why do we have to explain it in such a way? What happened to Mr. Blackwell? He wouldn't stand a chance now. No. Can you imagine? Fashion You'd police. be on a list? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's everything. I was going through a transcript uh, of something of my mom's, and they wanted to use a clip of something from The Tonight Show. And they sent me the whole transcript of that particular shot and marked out what exactly they wanted to use. And when I was reading the whole thing, I was like, they can't use this. They can't use this. They can't use this. Because it was a string of Elizabeth Taylor jokes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, like in, in front of the microwave. Hurry. Exactly. Take her to McDonald's to watch her eat and watch the numbers change. And I'm like, <laughs> you could. I had to say you can't, can't. use this part of the clip. Because it, no, wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't be worth the backlash. Right. Yeah, you're right. So the part they used, which they actually was the part they wanted to use, was very funny and self-deprecating and that. But when I was reading the whole transcript, I was like, holy shit. You know? Yeah. And there were times, and I, and I knew Elizabeth, actually, and there were times that she did laugh at some of those jokes. There were things that hit a little close, that sort of sent those violet eyes into another direction. But she she did have a sense of humor about herself. And at certain times, you know what I mean? As she once said to uh, Roddy McDowell, who was one of my godparents and one of my parents' dearest friends and was mm -hmm. one of Elizabeth's dearest friends. My yeah. mom actually asked one time, is what I joke about hurting her? And the message that was sent back to my mom through of Elizabeth via Roddy was, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hit me where I live. Uh -huh. Which yeah. means it's not hurting my feelings. And, yeah, you know, like and they ended up being friendly. But she also got it. She also knew that she wasn't what she once was. She knew she was taking too many drugs. She knew she was overeating. And right. she was like, I'm overeating. I can look like this and I'm still getting the most amazing men in the world. Right. Yeah. You know, so right. for her, it was a little like, eh. You know, I spent my whole life being forced to be thin. This is my way of rebelling. Yeah, I want to enjoy that fried chicken. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's recognizing the truth in the joke. That's why. Right, right. You know, it's it's understanding in some jokes, it's okay, I get the stereotype. I don't fit into that particular stereotype. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I still laugh, but that's yeah. why people find things funny because they wouldn't be funny if you didn't understand the joke. Well, that's what my others used to say too, which is, for you to, for someone to be in her act, you have to be so famous that everybody understands the joke. Now here you'll enjoy this. To the very end, I remember my mother performed the night before she passed. She always made sure she wore good shoes, pretty shoes or nice shoes so mm -hmm. that um, the gay members of her audience that were sitting close enough to see them would be happy. Right. <laughs> even if she was just wearing all black, she had on a good shoe.
Right. Yeah. Because she That's knew important. that they would go out there and say, did you see those terrible shoes she was wearing? One hundred percent. Whoa. <laughs> and I am a shoe whore, man. I tell you. And I could spot a bad pair uh-huh. of shoes, cheap pair of shoes from a mile away. Oh, one hundred percent. No excuse for that. There you go. But what is at, at, the comfort thing has really gotten in the way of fashion, hasn't it? Oh, the lazy God. comfort. It's it's listen, I see it. I, I fly all the time and I watch these people go past and I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. Where are they going? Uh, what people wear to travel and what people wear to theater Unbelievable. Is not oh. okay with me. No, nope, not First right. of all, I don't want to sit next to someone with open-toed shoes. I don't want to see anyone's feet. Feet. And if you're going to take off your shoes, put on a pair of socks. Right. And you know, there's also there's mm-hmm. also a a guide to travel to, to to air travel, and if God forbid there's a, a a mishap in flight or the plane's going to crash or there's something's going to happen, you know there are certain things you should not be wearing. Certain fabrics. This could <laughs> save your life. First cool. of all, an open and, and a pair of Birkenstocks ain't going to do it. No. And if you do survive, you won't have any toes. <laughs> I get it 100%, but one, the, one of the things that I was reading, I'm sure I read the same article, um, <laughs> yeah. also not supposed to wear rubber-soled shoes. No, not. But I travel in sneakers, and I always think about that. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, like, I'm traveling in sneakers. What if it goes down? Are my shoes going to melt? You and know? rayon. I know. And you're and stuck, rayon you're stuck and on the plane because your shoes. By the yeah, way, and any that's a good travel fabric that doesn't wrinkle is going to melt to your skin. Right. Correct. Except right. for cashmere. If it's that hot, I think you're doing <laughs> Except for cashmere. Here. And if we're, we're going down we're going, in cashmere. We're going down in cashmere. And there's a lot of casual cashmere. Yes, there you know, is. So cra- that's yeah. a whole separate podcast. Uh, it's <laughs> it's funny totally that is. you should bring up the theater because I was in New York last week, saw a terrible show. I was real, so disappointed, but that's another story. Six? No, what was it called? Yeah, six. Oh, yeah. Dreadful. Anyway, Most people have really uh, liked it. Yeah, oh, horrible. Clearly Mediocre not you. at best. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, he ran. The people that, that I went with, we all were like, are we kidding? This oh, is the I've heard worst. great things about it. And it's a yeah, big giant like success. mediocre music, it's great. But it's a big giant success, and thank God Broadway is having successes. Yeah, exactly. Someone's making money, but nobody dresses. And of course, after theater, we went to dinner. So I thought, what are these people doing? I mean, one person actually had overalls on, and I thought, do, are, are they not making an evening of going to the theater? Are they not going to have dinner before or after or go somewhere to have drinks or do something? This is or how they're going to sure, walk around. Are you sure they were not wearing them ironically? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they too. They heard it was bad. They thought, why should we dress? But I, I seriously, I don't understand it. And when my mother would take Cooper, even as a little boy, he had to wear like nice pants and a jacket. Blazer. Yeah, of course. Blazer. And he would have to at least start with a tie on. And we would always mm-hmm. end up taking it off. Yeah. Well, but, well, by the way, I get the comfort thing. We all do it. But it's so nice when you see people dressed going somewhere. Everybody looks so nice. I would never think to go to theater except for looking nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can't I can't deal with it. And how people dress on, on uh, to travel is, first of all, why anyone wears shorts? Because I don't want any of my skin touching the seats. Exactly. No, or, or the person next to you, or I don't want my clothes touching the seats. So yeah, I certainly so, don't want my skin touching the seats. But okay, if people are traveling to somewhere warm, I do understand. Okay, you can travel 
in shorts, but please travel in nice shorts. I love people coming from Hawaii and they're flying into New York in December and they have their flip-flops and their shorts and they're landing and it's 22 degrees outside. That I, Now, my mother was always the reverse. She would get off the plane in the Caribbean carrying with a fur coat. With a fur coat. <laughs> You know, (laughs) I, I often saw the opposite, but again, it goes back to the whole comfort thing. Do I like that? We're aiming towards more comfortable clothing after a girl that's been pulled and pushed and shoved and, you know, strapped into things and standing in shoes that don't fit just for the fashion. And, you know, as my stylist used to say, he would make something. I'm like, I can't breathe. And he would say to me, I don't care. (laughs) Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not about you. I can't. I say, I can't sit in this, and he'd be like, "Then don't." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to sit. No, you're not supposed Warm. to. It looks good. This isn't made for sitting it. in, or but it, you'll figure it out. <laughs> well, as we move into evening here, I think we should wrap it up. Yes. <laughs> Are we? We're, we're wrapping it up. We do a little thing now at the end here, Melissa. We're going to hit you some of that rapid fire words. Okay. And you're going to give us your first impressions. But the first question is, what bothers you most about the world today? The one thing that sets you off or raises your anxiety level? <laughs> what doesn't? <laughs> that's okay, a that's great a good answer. answer. There you go. All right. You ready for these? Yeah. Rapid fire. Regret. Not being aware of... Uh, of treating some of the jobs I had uh, as lightly as I did. Indulgence. Oh, God. Indulgence. (laughs) um, Guilt-free breaking my diet. Fear. Fear. Oh, God, something happening to my son. A hideaway. Hideaway? Anytime I can sleep. Insult. Insult? You have no humor. Well, that's, there you go. That's painful. That is the meanest Cuss, thing I could say to someone. Meanest thing. There you go. Cuss word. Oh fuck. Yeah. Or motherfucker. Yeah. Or sometimes the c word because sometimes that's the only word that works. Oh yeah, especially driving. You mean courtesy, of course. You are you are such a courteous person. <laughs> See you next courtesy. Yeah. yeah. And finally, who would you invite to your death orgy? Name five people and why, living or dead. Oh, death orgy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that. Okay, Brad Pitt, George <laughs> Clooney. You know, I'd have to think about it after that. Uh, you need one more. George, otherwise, that's, three. otherwise we'll that's three. just a three-way. That's okay. a three-way. It's Brad not Pitt, George Clooney, and ooh, Lenny Kravitz. Boom! Oh, there good. you go. Those are three Great. good ones. Those are three good ones. Yeah, you'll they're be up all night. Ones. Oh, very much. So. <laughs> and they're all funny. They all have good humor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We really appreciate you doing this. Thank you. That was super fun. Thank you, Melissa. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Music by Luca. This podcast is a production of the Villa Romana Network in association with Spotify. 